Yeah. My friends thought my mother was cool. Well, and also she was like, I feel like a lot of Midwest women are encouraged to be sort of quiet. Um, don't say your opinions, just kind of go along with what your husband thinks. And I always did see grandma as the type of person that she just said what no. she thought. Yeah, she wasn't evangelical. That's why she divorced the men she was married to. Oh. Because that's what they expected. Yeah. <coughs> right. But then I wonder how that played out for her in the community, if it was hard for her to be that way amongst the general community, if she just no, found her... she didn't care. Yeah. She, she didn't care, and she treated them well. She didn't care, and she surrounded herself by the gay men. How to be a Midwestern woman. For my podcast listeners, I would like to invite my mother, Rhonda, and my aunt, Denise. And Denise is my mother's sister. And so welcome, both of you. Hello. Hi. Um, so why don't you just both give a brief explanation of where you grew up. I know you both, you know, you grew up together, obviously, but... Then at a certain point you went different ways and how you ended up where you're at now. Okay. Whoever Let wants to go, go first. first. Go ahead, Rhonda. You're younger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up in Three Oaks, Michigan, and New Buffalo, Michigan, New Buffalo Primary. And then, and... yeah. We moved to Lansing, Michigan, briefly, and moved back to New Buffalo, and then I met your dad, Mark, and he and I moved to Mishawaka, which is where the area he's from, and that is how I ended up in Goshen, Indiana. Right, because then you and Dad ended up in Elkhart after a series of moves all over, and then you, and then when you and Dad divorced, you both remained in the area. But then you met your now husband Craig, my stepdad, and and you guys remained in Goshen. Correct. Okay, how about you, Denise? Well, um, I am the same as as Rhonda. Uh, in our very early years, <clears throat> we lived in a small town uh, on Route 52 southwest of Indianapolis called Morristown, which was just a pit stop. Our parents had a restaurant there, and it was a quite successful restaurant. It was a very, very small town, um, probably more what we would think of being Midwestern than right. our environment. Um, can, can we add that it was the it, that the Kentucky Fried Chicken people? Yeah, started in that restaurant. That yeah, Colonel Sanders. Right, right. Good idea. Colonel Sanders, the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, had a few standalone restaurants where he would um, franchise out his chicken to someone who had a sit-down, standalone restaurant. 
Well, the restaurant that our parents had, the Bluebird Restaurant in Morristown, I kid you not, um, people would come and stand in line, especially Easter, Mother's Day, and Thanksgiving, and uh, that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken with the mashed potatoes and gravy, they would cook in big pressure cookers in the kitchen, and it was quite interesting. Uh, and this was this was our mother and my father. Right. Correct. Your father was back up in Niles, Michigan, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. I, I was born in Niles, Michigan. My parents subsequently divorced when I was young. Um, when my when my our mom married Rhonda's father, that is when we moved to um, southeast of Indianapolis. Right, because his parents were restauranteurs and contractors here in this area as well. Correct. Got it. So, so I lived uh, again in uh, New Buffalo in Three Oaks, brief stint in Lansing, Michigan, graduated from Lansing, Michigan, Everett High School, 317 people in my class. When I was in New Buffalo, uh, my class had a 54 to 56 person class. So I was put into a big urban environment as a senior in high school. And I don't think I've ever been the same since then, <laughs> having said that. Well, if you would have stayed in, Mich in New Buffalo High School, you would have been the valedictorian, I believe. Um, I don't think, I think Mike Willens would have been the valedictorian and Billy Westinghouse was up there. He you probably was there. number three. Yeah, okay. I was probably in the, definitely in the top five. Right. And probably would have done better after high school. I, um, <clears throat> went to Grand Valley State College in Allendale, Michigan, leaving Lansing Everett, never having seen this college in my whole life, thinking it would be like Western Michigan or Michigan State. It was between Grand Haven and Grand Rapids in a really little town called Allendale with two dormitories and three buildings that you had to seem, seemingly walk miles to get in, in the winter when it was the snow was coming off the lake. I didn't do well there. I came home. Well, so then, and then from there, I came home and got a job, um, local restaurant, worked local restaurant. And I went to what is now Purdue Northwest and got an associate degree in nursing. And then after that, I worked. I lived in Michigan City. I married my husband, Bob, who um, passed away this January unexpectedly and uh, pretty much was in nursing most of my life in Michigan City. Went on to get my bachelor's and my master's degree incrementally over the next 20 years, but that's what it took 20 years to get them. And you've, re and yeah, you've remained in Michigan City. The whole time. Yeah, yeah. the whole time. <laughs> because I was married to someone who thought that, like Amerigo Vespucci, the earth is flat, Michigan City's flat, you'd fall off the face of the earth if you left the outskirts of Michigan City. <laughs> 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 Most of our married life, we lived in Long Beach, which is um, a beach community right on Lake Michigan, close to the Michigan-Indiana border. And uh, since then, I'm in, a, I'm in a condo now. 
in the city of Michigan City. Yeah. But, we, but, but most of our childhood was in New Buffalo, Michigan. Right. Yeah, New Where Buffalo. We had, we had a lot, lot of freedom. A lot of freedom, uh, quite a bit of extended family. Correct. But, I mean, we were, we were, we were down at the beach, weren't we, Rhonda, all the time when we were kids. I mean... Well, we lived in a neighborhood that had a private beach down in Sunset Shores, New Buffalo. And <clears throat> that's where mom and dad would send us in the summertime. Here, get your shovel and your bucket, and here's a towel and a snack, and you guys go to the beach for the day. <laughs> and I was the designated babysitter because right, I was so right. much older, six, so seven, and 11 yeah. years different. So I had my little handy-dandy transistor AM radio playing WCFL and WLS. And <laughs> we were just down there all the time. We never thought of food. We never thought of rip currents. We never thought of sunburns. No. We didn't put on suntan lotion. That's that was our life. We were at the beach. Well, so for people and- who for people who are not familiar with New Buffalo, Michigan, because a lot of people, when they think Midwest, they're thinking that all Midwestern towns are kind of the same. And I think what's interesting about New Buffalo is that it's different because it's just outside of Chicago. So, Well, it's heavily influenced by Chicago. Can you say that one more time? I would say that it, that, that area at that time and even now is heavily influenced by uh the Chicago area. Yeah. So how did oh, that? Yeah. How did that really? Because I, as I view our fa- your family, of course I'm your daughter, but I mean, really, you guys just seem totally different than a lot of Midwest families. There's a lot of. Um, well, you know, I have to say this. You know, Grandma was raised very pretty strictly. And didn't have a lot of freedom. And I think that she, when she was raising us, I think she just let us go. And I don't know what the word is, Denise. I think think she felt she grew up on the south side of Chicago. And now her children are in this little town. Uh, getting around in this little town is nothing compared to her having to take uh, the L or the public, the bus downtown with her friends when she was 10 and 11. So, I mean, she just let us go. I mean, we, it, but it was okay because it was safe back then. Right, because everybody knew everybody. Yeah, and, and everybody everybody was doing and the everybody, same thing that we and did. Everybody took care of everybody. It was, I, I often will tell people it was kind of like living in Mayberry. Yeah, I mean, our our animal, our dog ran loose. I know. We, you know, and the thing of it is, is our dog was our dog Freckles was never tied up in his whole life of fourteen years. He ran loose. Right. He was with us. He was with us, or he was. He'd just follow us. He'd just follow us around, or he'd go over to mom's <laughs> friend across the street, Mary Elpers, and she would let him in and hang around in her house for a couple hours. Yeah, and, you know, mom and dad were very involved in the restaurant business and the catering business they had, and and dad ran those gas stations in New Buffalo. And there just was this sort of 
I don't, I can't, I can't. I'm losing, it's I'm just losing. so much different than today. I mean, it's yeah. just, well, it, it was, it's more like it was, we were very, we were very independent and we had to figure out on our own what we were going to do for entertainment. Nobody bought us a lot of toys or gear and kept us in our yard. No. Play. We would form our own, I would form my own baseball league, softball, baseball leagues with the kids in the neighborhood and my cousins and we would play ball at the high school we had to figure it out we would go fishing at the lake we would go hunting for indian bees at the lake um i have one just, for you yeah remember across the street from where we live little uh the it's the Oselka Marina, Snug mm-hmm. Harbor in New Buffalo, oh, yeah. which is a big marina now. It was a probably about <clears throat> twelve hundred square foot small marina when we were kids. We used to, I did not have ice skates. I took cat food cans about the size of tuna cans, put duct tape on them, <laughs> put my snow boots on, <laughs> and took the push broom. And went on the frozen ice in the marina with my friends. Some of right. them had skates, some didn't. And we played ice hockey. That's how we. That's what we did. Yes. And that's you know, how when we were in when we were in Lansing. Though she did buy us all a pair of ice skates because there was an ice skating, small ice skating rink in that neighborhood. I don't know if you remember that, Denise. Well, I wasn't ice skating. Believe me, I know what and, I was doing there. <laughs> and even when we were in Lansing, you know. In the wintertime, get your skates on and go skating and see you at dinner time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we you know, kids don't drink out of hoses anymore. We drank out of hoses. Yeah. Um, we didn't have air conditioning. I just can't imagine. Of course, we lived very close to the lake. How many square feet? I mean, how many feet or yards from the lake actually breeze do you think Rhonda not much maybe a half of a block but we we did we had fans we had fans we didn't have air conditioning we didn't miss it we didn't suffer for it we didn't know the difference well so know the difference let me ask you this because you mentioned you know it was very you had a lot of freedom you guys kind of were you know kind of encouraged to be self-reliant and to be very inventive with how to adapt. But also you guys are both, I mean, and I, I, I don't speak for the whole family, but there's an element of, um, that you guys don't have that Midwestern perspective. Like a lot of Midwestern towns are very conservative. It's kind of like considered the Bible belt that religion really influences the, the town that you well, live in, and that wasn't, well, yeah, it seems like you guys have a more liberal, democratic um, viewpoint on things, and I'm just curious if that's because of the Chicago influence, or if it's just more of your upbringing. Well, we we were, ex- we went to uh, church. We were raised we, in the we church. We were raised in the church, and we were raised, we had to go to Sunday school, and we had to do the catechism classes, the confirmation classes. Right, right. It was very important. And we had to be involved in the youth fellowship groups one night a week. We all had to do that, but it was not the type. It was not the type of church that would. It was not an evangelical church. It was a pretty not. It was even though it was St. John's United Church of Christ. It was pretty um, 
it was loosely Unitarian type church. Right, right. It was loosely based. Of, loosely based. It wasn't. It wasn't. Besides, except for the confirmation classes, there wasn't a lot of Bible reading or things like that going on. No, not at all. And yeah. then we enjoyed our church time. We had yeah. a good time with our friends. We did. And it was a German-based church. Uh, and we that had, to, which also somehow was connected with the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, which we all had to do. Yeah, oh, I enjoyed, didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that you guys did Girl Scouts. Oh yeah, brownies and Girl Scouts. And the boys were Boy Scouts, and yeah, we. This is what Grandma said. You guys are doing this whether you like it or not. She did make sure when I now that this is we're all talking about this that we had a good grounded upbringing. Yeah. But as far what you're you're trying to say, we seem to be very democratic or more liberal thinking. Yeah, Grandma was not conservative. Not at all. Not at all. She was. She was. Even though Denise and I have talked about this, what was her? political views we don't really know except that i'm sure if they were alive today they would be voting for biden oh i'm sure i'm sure they would be too and i can recall when i was like in fourth grade it was um barry goldwater running against johnson and dad was a member of the republican party in new buffalo and a girlfriend's mother was as well so we had a mock election in fourth grade. Two of us voted for Barry Goldwater, and everybody else voted for Johnson. I couldn't tell you if Barry Goldwater was a Democrat or Republican. I just knew that Dad at home talked about Barry Goldwater, but it wasn't any pressure. I mean, no. They loved John Kennedy. They they felt bad about the Vietnam conflict. Um, now, see, that was remembers more about that than I do. That was a very tough time for everyone in 68, 67 to 70, between so many of the people we knew going, going to Vietnam and how, the, um, how they were looked upon. They were not respected. I mean, the Vietnam War wasn't respected, so these poor guys that got drafted weren't giving their given their accolades as they should have when they got home there was not ever the i oh. don't support the war but i support the troops like we have today okay, and then martin and luther king and bobby kennedy died in that same year 68 it was a rough it was a it was a rough time but we we made through it it wasn't like all of this hype today i mean we just worked i we just soldiered on and prodded through. What's the word? They didn't. They followed politics, but they didn't live politics. Hey, mom, you right. sound mom. You sound a little muffled. I'm not sure if you. Now do I sound better? Yeah, yeah. Can you repeat what yeah, you just I'm said? I'm not used to holding my phone. But I wanted to say that Grandpa was a World War II vet. Yeah. And the other thing that we were required to do was march in the parade. Oh, yeah. The Buffalo Memorial Day Parade. Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, ride your yeah. bike if you're a little Grand- kid all dressed Grandpa up. Grandpa would decorate all of our bikes. Yeah. And we would 
march in the parade with our flags and then go to the cemetery and watch the ceremony. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, yeah. when you guys say, I know that when you're speaking right now and saying dad, you mean Lloyd, but of course people listening wouldn't understand that. So grandma was married four, three, four times, three times. Three. So she was married to my, I should tell you something. My well, we're gonna get into that a little bit, but she was married <laughs> to my mom's dad. Then she was—I'm sorry, she was married to Denise's dad. Then she was married to my mom's dad, and then she married um, the man that I knew as Grandpa, which is Lloyd. And the man of which I knew as my dad. Yeah, which yeah, that's essentially um, the only person that I knew. And then my mom called him, you know, considered him dad. But um, on the heels of that. How do you think that grandma fared as a Midwestern woman? I mean, obviously, just from that fact alone, at that time period. She didn't period. like being around here. Yeah. No, she didn't like being around here at all. She did not like living around here. <laughs> she missed Chicago so yeah. badly. I mean, she had a great life in Chicago. Again, she was born in 1931. Her parents, her parents uh, had a summer home in buffalo which was grandma hamilton's house that she lived in her whole time they they sold it to her and they would come back in the summer and visit family and stuff but they took that us 12 trek in their car on uh friday night and sunday night in the summer back and forth from chicago and they lived in a really nice um apartment building Again, off of Stony Island on 76th Street, which is not the best of areas now. But she uh, she went to um, large Chicago public schools for the time. She and her friend got on as like 10 and 11-year-olds, got on the bus and went downtown because the, the friend's mother uh, was a jeweler and had her office in the Garland building which was by Fields downtown they take the bus and they just bum around downtown as a 10 and 11 year old and then well when- I, I it kind of reminds me when we're talking about this you know she was obviously living in a um, more liberal area growing up in a more liberal area right so when I was in high school and I'm walking around in my, do you remember those skimpy little tops that look like bras? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had the circle in the middle and the tie around your neck. Mm-hmm. And all it did was, co- all it did was barely cover everything. <coughs> yeah. She thought that was great that I was walking around <laughs> like that. She didn't. That she didn't, didn't phase her. It didn't phase her. I mean, of course, she worried about, she didn't want me to, I, I was I knew better than to do naughty things, but see, and that's what I'm trying to say is that, um, well, I guess Craig says this quite a bit. You guys had a good grounding. You knew, you knew right from wrong. I believe, I believe you're totally correct. We, we, we knew we were told right from wrong, but we were not heavily disciplined Mm-mm. at all. If we, uh, if we fell out of sync with something, that we'd get a stern talking to. Well, but they would explain she, to us the reason why, too. Well, when she found the marijuana in 
my brother's bedroom <laughs> at the age of probably 10th or 11th grade, you know, she just grabbed the bag and grabbed him and put him in the car and dropped him off at the police station. Because mom was very good friends with the policemen because they came into the restaurant all the time. And she just called Officer Payne and said, yeah, I found this pot in Ron's bedroom. I'm going to drop him off so you guys can figure out what to do. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> That's a good idea. So how did she feel? I mean, what what is you? Well, obviously, you know, she's not here, so she can't speak for herself. But, I mean, in terms of her divorces, she obviously, she did it because it was, you know, done. But – I mean, how what do you how do you think that compared with with how other women were at the time? Was that common? Was oh, it very God. different? Very different. Very different. And I gotta tell you, she she felt she in her heart she was looked down upon, but she didn't care, right? Because nobody knew the story, and her conviction was, I needed to divorce these men. There were specific reasons why any woman in their right mind would divorce they, these men. Right, right. And and she didn't there definitely like Denise said, there was definitely stigma, I'm sure, but she was a very strong minded very person. Very strong minded person. And uh also four children uh from three marriages. We were raised like brothers and sisters. I mean the fact that I do not consider Rhonda, my half-sister, or right. Chuck, my half... I mean, it, that's my sister. That's my yeah, brother. Right. And that's how we were raised. So, right. In my we, opinion, never used, we never used the word step-parent. We never used the word half-sister or anything like that growing up. Yeah. No, and mom, mom was an only child growing up. And her parents were 40 years old when they adopted her. Yeah. And it was during the Depression. So a lot of that had to do with it, too. She sure. had very old parents, wasn't real close to her mom, who was a staunch German with several brothers and sisters rooted in New Buffalo. In fact, their family came from Buffalo, New York, with Captain Winnegar in the... But, you know, she also had a very open mind to things, too. I mean, she was strict, but she did have rules, and she thought nothing of giving you a good, swift slap across the face... Or take a wooden paddle and smack you with it. <laughs> but she was, that was her way of saying, you're not going to be that type of person. I agree. And then, but then she gave you a lot of freedom too, because she, you know, you knew what you could, what your limits were and what they were. Yeah. You still got a lot of freedom. We respected our parents. We respected uh -huh. our parents very much, you know. Oh, we had to, yes, we had to. We listened and, to you know, we did it because it was expected of us. But again, we also respected them because they gave us they gave us some freedoms that a lot of kids in our area didn't have. Yeah. And you know, our mom always worked. Most of the moms right. didn't Most work. Moms didn't work. That's right. a good point. She worked hard. Yeah. And why do you think that is? Why do you think she worked? Because she needed the money. But she so, needed the money. To be able to provide for her children. Yeah. Right. In the, in the way that she wanted them to be provided for. Sure. Right. But do you think that she 
I mean, I know that that's true, but do you think that a lot of women enjoyed being home and maybe she didn't? Maybe she wanted to work. Do you think that was part of it? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. She liked being out and about. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. She, she liked friends. being out and, she, and about. Yeah. And she loved <clears throat> after work going down to Redamax and having her Manhattans with either the John Putsky, the theater owner, or <clears throat> Ed Lyons, the cop. <laughs> I mean, on my way home from work, from closing down the home cafe, I would stop into Redamax because she would be there with Colleen and all these people she knew. There would usually be a table of about six people, and that was what they did every night. Not every night. We didn't, no. And we didn't have a lot of dinners around the table. No. We had holidays and things like that and some dinners around the table, but mostly... And we did when we were little. We had dinners around the table. I'm going to say by the time we became teenagers, we were on our own. <clears throat> we would have to go down to the restaurant and get our own dinner. Yeah. <clears throat> so she, and that kind of leads into the next thing of you both have really strong work ethics. You both have worked um, a lot in your lives in different industries. And, and do you both feel like that came from grandma? Oh, absolutely, because by the time I was 12 years old, I was marched down to get my work permit, and we all had to work at that restaurant, whether we liked it or not, and even when we were going to school, we would leave school and go down and work, and do our homework, Yeah. and then um, if there was anything special that you wanted, you used your money to go buy it. For instance, I wanted a little TV for my bedroom, and I had to go put it on layaway at the TV shop and pay $5 a week for it until I got it. Yeah. Well, this reminds me that I just interviewed a friend the other day, and we were talking about our upbringing, and I said, you know, I didn't get – all the girls in my class had guest jeans, and that was not even an option for me, so we got puffy paint. And I was allowed to make my own guest jeans. If you remember that. Yes, because I didn't have, we didn't, we couldn't afford to buy guest jeans. Yeah, but it was and, also, and, a, yeah, but I got a job in high school. So once I started to make my own money, then it was like, right. Okay. You well, can, that came, well, that was because I, that was how I was raised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we, you guys have brought it up, but we haven't really addressed it that grandma I know that they had the restaurant early on, but then she did open a restaurant later. So do you want to talk about the home cafe and how that originated? Rhonda, I'll let you do that because by the time mom got the home cafe, I was in college and pretty much you remember much more about about that than I do. But before we get into that, my mom always worked, you know, when she came home from Morristown and, and divorced Rhonda's father she worked um she worked as a waitress in in a very very nice restaurant and again she said boy i can make more money being a waitress in a nice restaurant two or three days a week than i can sitting in an office 40 hours a week and i don't have to buy suits to do it so right and i learned that from her too and i did too i did too um 
I, I, bar I bartended and waitressed my way through college. And when I got out of college, I said, geez, I make more money being a, a waitress three days a week than I do a, a, as a brand new nurse, you know. So Right, and so, that was grandma. And that was grandma. Yeah, that was grandma. And, and just like Rhonda said, you know, if we wanted something, we saved for it. And once we were making our own money, we bought really nice clothes and things for ourselves and cars and whatever. Yeah. But nobody really... Nobody gave us... Nobody... No, nobody said, let's go back, let's go back to school shopping and we're going to get you whatever you want type thing, you know, right. never, never. Right. So, home cafe. So, the home cafe was, um, so, like, I, I was 12 when that started and the boys were younger than me and grandpa was the cook and mom was the manager and I was a waitress and the boys were bus boys and... It was very, very hot spot to be in the summertime for breakfast because the Chicago people would bombard the place for breakfast on Saturday and Sunday mornings, and there would be lines outside. And also, the people that owned that restaurant before Mom did, they used to make donuts, and so Grandpa took that over, and so everybody would get in line to get these donuts, and I would get there at... He'd be there probably at 5 in the morning. I'd get there at 6. And there was nothing better than bite, biting into Ooh. one of those hot donuts. Ooh, it's especially the chocolate. chocolate with the peanuts on top. I know. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And then um, and she would, you know, cousins worked for her too. Her nieces and nephews worked there too. So it was like a, tr a true family business. Right. And, um. She would often do a lot of parties in there at night and showers, wedding showers and things like that. We all were involved in helping her prepare foods for big buffets, like cut-out sandwiches, little petite chicken salad sandwiches with cut-out bread. She would stack the bread up with the cookie cutters and the bags to put these pieces in on the dining room table and make Chuck, Ron, and I sit there and pound these out. Mm. Um, well, that's how, that's about when she got heavily involved in catering too. Right. Heavily, that did a lot of weddings time. and right. So did a lot of weddings, a lot of Chicago people I, called I her for parties. When I was a teenager, when I was a junior and senior in high school, and I was still working there, she pretty much relegated to me that I had to open this restaurant up every morning at six in the morning, and. By that time, as a teenager, I'm out running around with my friends on Friday and Saturday night drinking beer and going to parties until 2 in the morning. <clears throat> and then I was expected to be at that restaurant at 6 and have it open. One morning, my alarm didn't go off, and one of the waitresses called my mother and said, Rhonda's not here, I can't get in. And she yanked me out of the bed, pushed me down the stairs to the shower, <laughs> waited for me to get out of the shower I was starting to dry my hair and she said nope you're going like this and out the door I went with wet hair no makeup and I had to get down there and open that restaurant yeah wow well you mentioned that the Chicago people would come in on the weekends and it just I mean they must have been doing really well 
Well, for a while they were. But yeah. see, what happens is, is in the wintertime, the Chicago people all leave New Buffalo and Grand Beach, the Michiana area, Michiana Shores area. Riviera, yeah. Riviera, and, and the town would become a ghost town. And so in the wintertime, the restaurant would suffer, which is, I believe, probably why she started the catering business. Right. And then eventually, eventually, you know, you, you cannot depend on the locals. Yeah. For a lot of meals that's, you yeah, know, right. in the winter and stuff. And that's, yeah. And, and she started doing really well in the catering. She was catering all through the year, but in the summer, I mean, she had some weddings and Chicago people would call for things and she would do some pretty decent sized parties. And some big weddings. Right, but we were all involved in that. We oh, yeah. We her prepare all that. She didn't, she didn't hire people to help her. Oh, I mean, I can't believe the amount of food that she prepared at the home cafe and in the house, trucking it back and forth for these weddings and stuff. It's great incomprehensible big, at today's. Great big, huge turkeys and roast beefs and hams. Yeah. I know. It, and it, I mean, just I can't imagine this happening. Why anybody... People do not have the drive and the energy to do that these I, days. Talking about food in the restaurant, though, she uh, and I know, Jessica, you asked this question, or I think may have proposed it, but um, she didn't teach me, and I don't think she taught Denise how to cook. Heck no. I had to fold clothes yeah, and clean the had, house. And we had to, I just picked up on cooking watching her being yeah her. well the thing is is that I mean just from my memory of being when I was little and we would go to grandma's versus going to my other grandma's house stark difference in the type of food that we would eat for the holidays in my Correct. mind like she Correct. didn't do the traditional stuffed turkey and mashed potatoes I mean I'm sure she did do a variation of those things but it was a lot of like I remember like the chicken wings and like little hors d'oeuvre type things. It was very, it was much more in my mind when I think back to it, everything was so much more glamorous. Yeah. Little, little meatballs, olive plate. I mean, these are things she that. A, she loved Julia Child. Oh. She loved doing stuff like that. She really yeah. did. I mean, that's a fond memory for me because. I loved the way that she did her spreads. She was very um, so that's what it was. It was particular. A yeah, she was really <laughs> particular about it. And she would sit there with her. You know, she would say, go ahead and eat. But then she would sit kind of in the corner and smoke her cigarette and drink her cocktail and watch everybody get their plates. Because she got great pleasure from yeah. feeding people and cooking for people. Yeah. Like she did. She really did. And I think a lot of Midwestern women have that feeling, but I think her cooking was so different. I always felt like she had um, just a different take on it. Like she made things more glitzy in a way. You know. Well, she kind of thought of New Buffalo as a hick town. Oh. And she didn't like the people, a lot of the people that lived in that town, because they were, like what you're describing, more Midwestern women. More and they were kind of cliquish, too. Yeah. I mean, they didn't, they didn't want their friends to go to work because they may have to go to work. Mm. Hmm. That's interesting. But, but Mom considered herself... Uh, 
very urban, you know, she, she got along well with the Chicago people who came to town. Yeah. But truly, yes. a lot of the moms in New Buffalo, they would uh, get together, have coffee in the morning, and there's Sara Lee coffee cake six or seven days a week. Right. And then... Well, what, yeah, and one of, mom, one of mom's close acquaintances was a man who was um, uh, gay. The gay men loved mom. Yeah, Just like did. her hairdresser here in Michigan City, a wonderful guy. She went to the same guy forever. He loved her. He called her the last grand dame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> well, so I guess, you know, now that you've said all this about that, but then also just that she didn't really like the people in the town, that she would have been much happier being in Chicago, do you think that that contributed to some of the um, the later issues with um, drinking or gambling or anything like that? Do you think she kind of had a hard time adjusting as she got older to still no. staying in that area? I, I no, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I just think I don't think she had anything to. She had nothing in common with those people in New Buffalo. She, they, they. They, you know, mom had been to Cuba in the late 50s with Rhonda's dad. Her, his parents had a house in Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale. She'd fly back and forth in the 50s, things that the people in the 50s didn't do. She just had, she was not going to wear a house dress and eat spam, and that's no. what those women in New Buffalo did. Right, right. That is the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. So she was just really... Wanting to be more social, it seems like, with her oh, community. Yeah. Just very Highly social. social. Yeah. Which I can identify with that. I totally get that. Um, when she, I mean, when you say that she wasn't like a lot of other mothers that you guys knew from your friends, did your friends come over to your house and feel like, oh, this is so cool, like this is so different? Yes. Yeah. Yes, when when Grandma died, and my friends from New Buffalo would send me their condolences, the common theme was, "You had a cool mom." Hmm. Yeah. My friends thought my mother was cool. Well, and also she was like. I feel like a lot of Midwest women are encouraged to be sort of quiet. Um, don't say your opinions, just kind of go along with what your husband thinks. And I always did see grandma as the type of person that she just said what no. she thought. Yeah, she wasn't evangelical. That's why she divorced the men she was married to. Oh. Because that's what they expected. Yeah. <coughs> right. But then I wonder how that played out for her in the community, if it was hard for her to be that way amongst the general community. If she just no, found her... she didn't care. Yeah. She, she didn't care, and she treated them well. She didn't care, and she surrounded herself by the gay men. Yeah. See, I never knew that. Well, that kind well, of followed her. That, you know, she when we were in Lansing... Um, oh, God, yeah, the piano player, Dennis. They ma- they they managed a restaurant in Lansing. There were like, yeah, the, pian- yeah, the, the organ player there and the assistant manager... Kid. And she kept saying, oh, you need to date this assistant manager, um, Denise. He's going to uh, Lake Michigan. Uh, he's going to um, 
Lansing Bible College here. He's really a nice guy. And I looked at him and I said, he's not interested in women. And she, she had to scratch her head, but then she didn't say anything. But for some reason, gay men attra- were attracted to her for the, for companionship like you wouldn't believe yeah well, when we were when we were living up there well we lived mom kept the house in sunset shores and lloyd took care of the boys well denise and lloyd took care of the boys and i when she commuted to lansing and she would stay in the one of the hotel rooms that was connected to this restaurant on the weekends i believe but she would uh, sometimes take me with her to stay and I remember in the bar area there was that grand that baby grand piano and the Catholic priest was Dennis was playing the piano and we had a jukebox and Denise you remember this because there was a couple of friends we had with us a friend of yours and her younger sister and and the mother worked at the restaurant and we would late until the night play that jukebox and listen to the piano and dance on that little dance floor while oh i remember to mr bojangles (laughs) he would play mr bojangles on the bridge either the organ or the piano because they were both there yeah yeah well it sounds like once she was married to lloyd she felt like she had the freedom she needed to be the woman that she was that he did not expect those things of her like the other husbands No, did. not at all. He, he was a fun-loving person. Don't you think, Rhonda? Yeah, he did, He just followed her lead. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was very fun, fun-loving and open, and, and in that aspect, they made a good couple. Yeah. In that aspect. Yeah, right. Um, but that was not, she, I, I'm, I know that she wished she really found the right person. Yeah. Sure, yeah. She never did. She never no. did. Well, and that's a whole other topic. Podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) But um, she did live a very interesting life. And I think that my memories with her were always so fun. And she was so, um, she was, I remember when she did her traveling sales job and she would come see us sometimes and she would take me out for ice cream or she'd take Sarah and I, my cousin Sarah Denise's daughter, she would take us to the drugstore to get Lee press on nails. And she would just, she'd do anything we wanted, literally, almost. She would almost let us do anything we wanted. And um, she was just a neat person, and I miss her a lot. Yeah, I miss her a lot, too. And she was definitely not like the moms back then. She was just definitely not. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had a lot of work to do around the house. I I did a lot of work around the house. But it was always appreciated by her. Yeah. And it was, and it was so she could work out of the house and we could have right right well I think that's that's a really good lesson I think I'm going to use that with Jennings is that I'm going to make him do all the housework so I can get a job (laughs) again sounds like a plan (laughs) after this pandemic is over um I can I can remember mom and this is a a cute story um Rhonda and Ron would walk back and forth to school now we lived at the lake 
And would you say, Rhonda, the school is probably a half a mile away? Are you talking Elementary? about Sunset Shores? Yeah, El yeah. No, Sunset Shores. We had a bus. Okay, Sunset Shores to the high school where Graham and Grandpa lived across the street. What would you say that is? Oh, at least a mile. So or two we, miles, didn't, maybe. we didn't have a bus service. I didn't have a bus service going to high school there. And when we walked, and we could not wear um, slacks to school. We had to wear skirts, and skirts and knee socks or tights. Well, <clears throat> occasionally when Rhonda and Ron were little, Mom would give them money and say, oh, walk up and see your grandma and grandpa. Oh, no, which walk, is we would walk to Hepler's grocery store. And they would stop at Hepler's grocery store. And what would you buy? What would you buy, Rhonda? We bought cans of sardines, and we'd go out on the sidewalk downtown and sit there and eat them. Instead of candy, they bought yeah. cans of sardines. <laughs> I don't understand this, but okay. I mean, it was just... Uh, well, what she's saying is that we were just, here's some money, go to the Dairy, walk to the Dairy Queen, walk downtown, go, do, go, go roller skating, but we had to walk. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we had to walk everywhere. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to move into our fun questions because we definitely hit the emotional low note, so we're going to do some funny stuff. Um, so... Just each of you can answer this separately. What is one ingredient that you keep in your kitchen that you think is because of grandma? Oh, I know. Go a ahead. bottle of a bottle of um, extremely dry sherry to cook with. <gasps> yes. Okay. Mine is celery seed. Oh. Because she put celery seed in her potato cell, and it was so good. I don't make potato salad very much, but boy, I have celery seed. Wait, what's the sherry used for? All the rich sauces when you're making um, turkeys and chicken. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't really know the name of them. So just, just rich sauces. Just sauces. Right. Okay. I should. Now I need to learn that from you because you do make really good sauces. And I never I knew that. I need to learn it from you. Yeah. i got to throw away those uh, jerky's packs of gravy mix. I need to learn that from <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. Well, she, used, yeah. she used those too. Yeah. I know, but what I'm saying is you learned some of the tricks as far as right, making right. roux and sauces and like right. that. Mom taught me nothing about cooking. I was the cleanup girl, and, and Grandma was too <clears throat> senile by the time I was interested in learning how to make her homemade noodles and strudel and fried chicken and stuff, so... I, I never learned how to cook. My husband taught me what I know about cooking. Yeah, I mean, Mom, you made a lot of good... I mean, Mom always made... We always had sit-down dinners every night. Mm -hmm. And you always cooked meat, vegetable, potato, or starch, whatever. Well, it was always... I learned that. Okay, I learned all that from Grandma Ellie. Okay. Dad's mother. But it seemed like it seems like recently, like in our adult years, you have incorporated more of grandma's cooking. A lot more French oh, yes. type yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I can afford to buy those things now. Mm. When you guys were growing up that kind of stuff was too expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um 
my next question is if grandma were alive today, what do you think she would say to women who are living through our current political climate? It's a little bit harder, hmm. maybe. Well, I know that she would not understand what the word misogynist meant because it wasn't True. used in her day, but that's what she would address. How could anyone uh, be aligned to such a misogynist? So really, that in segue for that, she really was kind of a woman's liver for the time. Gloria Steinem in 1970 coming out, uh, that was right up her alley. And her friend yeah. Mary Alpers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think she I think she would uh, definitely um, have have Trump's number as most of us in our family do. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, she you already not, yeah. She I she probably would have just been sitting there. Smoke coming out of her ears yeah, with her just, cigarettes because right, of the stuff. Yeah, she would be. Yeah, she wouldn't like it. I, I mean, she yeah. would have loved Obama. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah. She would have loved him. She would have called him darling. Yeah. But 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 she loved the she liked she liked Reagan when he was in office too. Well, yeah, it was. A and I don't think it was because he had been a movie star, because. Because he was turning turning things around as far as the persona of the president. Right. I, they didn't. They never. I don't ever remember either one of them declaring themselves a Democrat or a Republican. Yeah. I think they were very moderate, and they voted for the best fit at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, but all this stuff going on with, uh, you know. Uh, women feeling like they're not being given equal treatment in the workplace and the way that Trump talks about women, um, just all that stuff. It sounds like grandma would have just not tolerated that, that she would have. She would have said he's a horse's ass. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's so antiquated to begin with. Perhaps some of the women in New Buffalo would have said, oh, well, that's the president. No matter what, we have to respect the president. He's right. We're not. And that is a lot of their uh, way of thinking. Yeah. Very evangelical. You know, the husband is the king of the house and what he says goes. I I, I don't want to get into religion too much because this probably isn't the place, but there are specific sex of people today who, who, who really do that yeah well yeah of course um was there anything else that either one of you want to add before we end this podcast which has been so good it has yeah i want to add something i want Rhonda to send me that stuffing recipe because i really need it been craving it for two weeks and now that you started talking about your mom's cooking jessica you know those potatoes she makes oh that are like the, the greer creamy. cheese yes the greer yeah, cheese I gotta ones have that too i gotta yeah. have that recipe too what or i re- else you can you can just drone me some of those yeah i think I we're gonna ha- the stuffing with i me. think that mom's gonna have to do like a to-go catering business for thanksgiving this year because we're all gonna be zooming it well you know i have mom's frugal gourmet cookbook 
that she had. It was a paperback book. I have it. Oh. And it's very old. It was printed back in the 70s. Do you remember him, Jeff? Oh, I do, yeah. And when you go through that book, I, I this is where I've picked up a lot of my cooking like her. Huh. Interesting. So. Very good. Remember those? Remember those chicken? Those Greek? That Greek chicken uh, wings she made? How good those were? No, I don't remember those. She did them a lot with the catering, and it was kind of like a, a slight Greek spice with some butter or olive oil baked. Oh man, they were really good too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I always remember the wings. Good wings. Good wings. Good wings. Well. Mom, Denise, thank you for doing my podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting us. 